Hi, Tony Hines here, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, great to be here. Well, there's quite a lot going on this week in the supply chain world, and one of the things that happened earlier in the week was a return to negotiations in the United Kingdom on the Northern Ireland Protocol. You'll remember I've been reporting this story for ever, ever since uh, the United Kingdom decided to leave the European Union. And it's never been resolved. There's either a border in the Irish Sea between Britain and Ireland, or there's a border at the border on the land between Northern Ireland and the Irish Republic. The problem, of course, is that Northern Ireland is attached to the United Kingdom and is not in the European Union, whereas the Republic of Ireland remains a member of the European Union. So any trade going between North and South, or South and North, is actually into a different zone, either into the EU or out of the EU. And that's the issue. It seems a fairly straightforward issue, but of course... There are the political arrangements which have to be satisfactory to all the politicians in Northern Ireland, all the politicians in the Republic of Ireland, the European Union, and of course the British government, which is led by a majority Conservative Party, where the majority of hard Brexiteers are still located. So, nobody seems to like borders anyway, but particularly the border between Britain and Northern Ireland is very odd because we're supposed to be a united kingdom and if you put a border between the two, of course, that's very artificial because how many countries have borders inside them? Odd, isn't it? And that was a necessity, apparently, as part of the deal to leave the European Union. And it's created all kinds of chaos in relation to the transportation of goods from the mainland of Britain to Northern Ireland and, of course, vice versa. Everybody's worried about duty. It's the pound of flesh. Everybody wants the duty paid and borders are a way of ensuring that duty is paid. Now, when goods travel into Northern Ireland, of course, there's no duty to pay if they go from mainland Britain. But, of course, there might be if they continued on across the border into the Irish Republic. But nobody wanted to put the border in the mainland of Ireland, between North and South, because that's enshrined as part of the Good Friday Agreement, the peace negotiation, that there wouldn't be a border between the North and the South. So, this has been going on forever. And this week a proposal was put forward by Prime Minister Rishi Sunak in the UK, to resolve the issue. Now, the resolution on the trade side of things is reasonably straightforward. Essentially, it comes down to a green light and a red light. So what do I mean by that? Well, if it goes from Britain to Northern Ireland, it goes through a green channel and there's no duty and checks don't have to be made. But if it's going from Northern Ireland to Southern Ireland on an onward journey, from Britain, then of course it would have to go through a red channel and duty would be paid when it crosses the border into the Irish Republic. 
And so it just comes down to that binary choice, green or red. But that's not all of it, because there are also political machinations between all the parties involved in the Northern Irish government, and of course, the Irish Republic, and of course, the European Union. And the ultimate responsibility for settling any disputes, where does that happen? Well, the European Court of Justice, but of course, the United Kingdom doesn't like that. And when I say the United Kingdom, it's particular members in the Conservative Party, the hard Brexiteers, who are pushing for that not to be the case. So we'll have to see and listen to what happens and see where we end up. But we are at last moving towards some kind of resolution and hopefully it will be satisfactory to all parties when complete. Also in the UK this week, food security raised its head once again. There was a meeting of the National Union of Farmers and they have raised issues with the British government about the post-Brexit farming arrangements. And the issue here at present is that costs are rising, so fertiliser costs, labour costs and the increased energy costs. And there are difficulties in getting hold of the right labour to work on farms since the EU workers returned post-Brexit to the home countries. And there's also an issue of are we growing the right crops in this country to supply the necessary food? And that was highlighted particularly this week with supermarkets saying that they were unable to get particular crops because they'd failed in Spain and Morocco, the North Africa coast, because of a difficult winter period. And that's become visible in the supermarket shelves with gaps for things like tomatoes and fresh fruit. And so there is an immediate problem and some rationing is taking place. So will it get resolved? Well, I did an episode, it's a year or so back now, and it was all about food security. But what I said in that particular episode is still very relevant. And I would commend you to go and listen to that episode just to see what the issues are when it comes to food security. And I don't really think we're working hard enough in the political arena to actually make clear what the policies need to be and how they can be implemented to get the necessary food security. So not only are we deficient in energy security, but we're deficient in food security. And that's a real issue. So it's uh, time for all those policy people to begin talking and finding solutions to that particular problem. It's a trade problem. And of course, it impacts all the supply chains. I was interested to read this week that uh, China has instructed state firms to stop using the four largest global auditing firms. So that's PwC, EY, Deloitte and KPMG. They sent it amid security concerns and the Security Act in China was passed back in September. But it's also probably a consequence of the geopolitical tensions between the United States and China that they've decided to restrict these global firms. So they're probably collateral damage for the spats between 
the USA and China. The four firms together earn about $3 billion from the auditing activities in China. Now, there's about to be another round of job cuts in the tech industries in the United States. That was reported this week. Meta let 13% of its workforce go last year. But it's rumoured they're about to do a similar round of cuts in this year. The layoffs last year were the first in Meta's 18-year history. Meta, of course, is the parent company for Facebook. So, tough times in that industry. It was once worth about... 1 trillion US dollars and it's now valued at 446 billion and the shares were down about half a percent on Wednesday. More than 100,000 layoffs were announced at US companies back in January and most of those came in the tech sector or a lot of those came in the tech sector. So a bit of a torrid time and I also heard a rumour this week that uh, there were various appraisals taking place with members of staff and uh, staff had been marked down significantly on the previous reviews. So that probably tells you something, that they're getting ready to uh, unleash some redundancies in the company. McKinsey, the management consultancy firm, is about to lay off about 2,000 people. And those are all highly skilled people working in that particular sector. So not all's well in the service industries at present and they think that they're over capacity and this is probably a result of uh, the recovery from the pandemic not going quite to plan and I think all the disruptions that we've had with the war in Europe and the downturn in markets and inflation people are all becoming very nervous about uh, over capacity and having too many people on the payroll And in these circumstances, it's about conserving cash. You'll have heard me talk about saving cash in supply chains and how you can do that through your operational capabilities. But, of course, one of the other big drains on cash is labour. And it's quite easy for firms to see that as an easy hit to take out some of the cost. The problem, of course, is that the labour you want to take out are usually the people who are the most expensive. And the people who are the most expensive are often the people who carry the knowledge and experience around with them. So you have to be careful when you make those kind of cuts that you don't cut the heart and the brain out of the machine. Now, another interesting story that caught my eye this week was that uh, you might think that Russia is starved of Western brands since the sanctions due to the war in Ukraine. But in fact, many brands are still being traded in Russia. And that's because of parallel importing. The brands themselves might have stopped exporting the goods or pulled out of the country, so they're no longer present in their own retail stores or concessions and so on, or in the usual arrangements. But of course, traders in Russia have been able to secure many of the brands, for example, Zara Clothing or Coca-Cola, through parallel trading arrangements, which may not be visible to the brand. So they've set up new supply chains through these parallel importing activities. And some people are paying more for those goods 
than they did previously. Ultimately, it's the consumer that pays a little more, and you might find that some of the brands are at different prices. Reuters reported this week that Coca-Cola products were selling at three different prices, depending on the sourcing location of the goods. And they've spotted Coca-Cola from Europe, including Britain, and also from China and other places. So that's what's happening with these parallel imports. And one person told me that you might have to wait longer for a particular brand that was easier to get previously, but you will get it. It'll just take longer and it might cost a little bit more. So interesting, isn't it? How effective are borders? It's a good question. And of course, how effective are sanctions? People will always find a way to get what they want. The Purchasing Managers Index, the PMI, in the Eurozone was up to over 52% in February. And that's 2.3% up on what it was in the month of January. So that's seen as a good signal that business is increasing. And it's doing much better than the forecasts predicted. Supermarkets in the United Kingdom said they were going to limit the supplies to consumers of fruit and veg in shortage areas. Aldi said it was putting limits of three per customer on peppers, cucumbers and tomatoes. Asda has capped sales of lettuce, salad bags, broccoli, cauliflower and raspberry alongside tomatoes, peppers and cucumbers. And Morrison's has also set similar limits. And this is because of the shortage of these products at present due to bad weather in Europe and Africa. But there's also the impact of higher energy costs for producers of goods like tomatoes, of course, particularly in the UK and the Netherlands, where most of those are grown. In the winter months, the United Kingdom imports about 95% of its tomatoes and 90% of lettuces. And they usually come from Spain and North Africa, places like Morocco. But southern Spain has suffered unusually cold weather, and in Morocco, crop yields have been affected by floods, and storms have led to ferries being delayed or cancelled. So some of those goods are not making the trip in good time. These shortages are likely to only be for a short period of time, until the growers and producers get back on track, because with warmer weather arriving, they'll be able to grow much of the produce. Of course, indirectly, Brexit has had some impact on the availability, but not a direct impact on this current situation. But it has in terms of getting the crops out of the ground in the United Kingdom because of the shortages of labour. I was reminded this week about how easy it is to hoodwink consumers. And I say this as somebody who's fairly numerate and takes account of what's happening in the marketplace. But it struck me that service providers use different measures. So they don't just use the consumer price index, they use another measure, the retail price index, when it suits. And I was alerted to this by my own particular experience of phone communication. And the supplier tells me that my contract says it will go up by 13.9% because of inflation according to the retail price index, which is what they use. And of course, most people who receive incomes 
which are inflation-protected, receive those inflation-protected incomes according to something called the Consumer Price Index, which of course is much lower. It's around 10%. So some of these companies are exploiting their position by charging an extra 4% by simply switching an index over. And to many people, that will be unnoticeable. They'll pay a higher bill, they'll notice that, but they won't know why. And that's something that when we talk about supply and the ethics of supply, it's perhaps important for some of these companies to think about how they treat their customers. On top of that increase, by the way, there was also a service, uh, an extra cost of another 3.9%, I think it was, um, simply because they wanted more money to provide the service. So not only are they going to get sort of 13.9%, nearly 14%, but they're going to get another 39 on top of that. So that's nearly another 4%. So all in all, the cost of the same item, the same service, is going to change from one day to the next by 18%. That's nearly a fifth. And that doesn't seem right to me. And I think companies that do that sort of thing ought to be outed. And we really need to move somewhere else. And that's what I'm going to be doing. But I just thought I'd share that with you. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the news roundup and you've been able to make some sense of the changes going on in supply chains that affect you. Now, there have been quite a few episodes in the past few weeks that you might have not yet caught up. And I'd suggest that you go and do that. Go and take a look at the banana special. Take a look at the conversation with uh, Federico Crespo, the CEO of Valiant, which is an AI company, and any other episodes that you've missed. And also, with all this discussion of food security, I'd go back and listen to the episode I did on food security. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes for this episode. And uh, just refresh your memory about some of the key issues uh, that need to be addressed. So that's it from me, and I'll see you next time. I'm Tony Hines, I'm signing off. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast is written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. And we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.